continue from last, where we left up on Sunday. Is that okay? I, 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 feel, I feel that we should continue the focus on becoming an excellent believer. Amen. We read Matthew 25. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read everything. We read from 31 to 46. I'm going to paraphrase where God, Jesus was saying that in the end, in the last days, he will gather his sheep. He will gather his sheep. The son of man, when he comes in his glory, he will, with his angels, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one from another. As the shepherd, verse 32, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 33 says that he will put the sheep on his right and the goat on his left. Amen. Which means that when he gathers, you see, the scripture said that he will gather all his people. Like I said on, on Sunday, when we read the scripture, we think sometimes that he's talking about believers and unbelievers. But the scripture we just read, it, let's read it again. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate, as the shepherd separates the sheep, one from another, from the goats. He will separate, he will gather all his people, and then he will separate them, hallelujah. He will separate them, put the, the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, and then he will say to the, 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 the sheep, come, you blessed of my father. Take your inheritance, which is prepared. And you say to the God, depart from me, I know you not. And so we, we were saying, or I said that we need to try to become the sheep that will hear the word, word done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, the place that has been prepared for you. And to be able to do that, we must know that we, we cannot be average and enter. Bible says that broad is the way that leads to death. And narrow is the way that leads to salvation. It's a place that you need to strive to get to. If you want to be an average Christian, you may not make it. You need to be excellent. And the difference between being average and being excellent is not a, a wide margin. It's usually the little bits of crossing the, the, the T's and dotting the I's, adding a little bit of diligence to what you're doing. Amen. So Peter was preaching and said, add to your faith some things. Amen. He said, add to your faith virtue. Because the faith alone will not save you, will not save me. Faith alone is not enough. Amen. We need to add to our faith. And when he finished, add to your faith, virtue, to goodness, temperance, and all that. When he finished that, if these things be in you, it will make you survive. It will secure you. Which means that the faith alone may not secure you if you don't add goodness to it. If you don't add knowledge to it. If you don't add self-control to it. If you don't add, add, keep adding things to it. It may not help. Amen. So I want us to, to understand that and look at the things. We, we talked about a few things. I'm just going to mention them. The first one I said was that an ex, to become an excellent Christian, you have to be a contagious Christian. Amen. You have to be a contagious Christian. The reason why you need to be a contagious Christian is not only because 
the master gave the, the instruction that go out into the world and make disciples of me. But when you are a contagious Christian, you ensure that you will remain a Christian for a long time. Am I making sense? If you are a Christian who is always constantly winning souls, it keeps you on fire. If you are a Christian who does not win souls and does not defend the gospel, with time you may easily get forget why you were saved and go back to the things that you and I used to do before we got saved. Am I making sense to somebody? Yeah. You know, Anywhere you go, especially in this part of the world, where compromise is the order of the day, where the, the, the wrong is, is praised more than the right. Yesterday, I, I saw something. I don't think many of you saw it. But my heart was grieved when I was watching the football between England and Germany. For some reason, the captains were wearing... LGBT bands, gay, lesbians, and, and, and it was both both the English uh, team and the German team were wearing support gay pride. So as we were all jumping and we were all happy that England was winning, what the Spirit of God was telling that look at what is happening over. Over three, four billion people on the earth watch that game. And the unban that signifies what the, the, the country stands for was not the national flag, was not anything but gay. Gay pride. The English captain was wearing it. The German captain was wearing it. What stopped them from wearing Jesus Christ? It's not a very popular thing around this part of the world. In fact, if they were wearing Jesus Christ as the armband, some people would write and say that they are offended. If you are a footballer and you display Jesus on any part of your jersey, you can be easily red-carded. Because it's offensive. But when you wear gay pride, it's not offensive. I'm saying that to let us understand that the wrong is praised rather than the right in this part of the world. So if you don't stand for what is right, you don't stand for what you believe, and you don't stand, you can easily compromise your faith. Hallelujah. That is why you and I ought to become on fire for God. To become contagious with our faith. So that wherever you go, you don't have to even open your mouth. People know that there's something different about you. Amen. Bible says that they saw the disciples. They saw that these were ignorant, unlearned men. But they took notice that they had been with Jesus. That is why their lives were different. It is time for our lives to be different. For people to take notice of us and say that there is something different about this person. This person is not the ordinary person around. This person has something, has something that I need. Let me go near him so that I can catch the cold that they have. Have you not realized that when you're sitting on the bus and you start coughing, people leave around? Around this time of, the, uh, of life, when you start coughing, 
If you don't want anybody to sit by you, just <coughs> do it about four times. They will, they will all scatter. I'm giving you a tip. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need to be contagious. The second thing we talked about was we have to be disciplined. The reason why Christianity is not respected today in our day is because Christianity has been so compromised. We have become so indisciplined. I said to you that the difference between a developed nation and an undeveloped nation is that the citizens of underdeveloped nations are usually not disciplined. And the, the citizens of a developed nations are very disciplined. When you go to Indonesia and you make a mistake and you chew a gum, the police will give you 12 lashes. You are not allowed to chew chewing gum. Let alone spit it. I went to a country... I'm not going to mention the name. But that country, they have a certain uh, fruit. I don't know what it's called. It's a certain fruit that they chew. When you chew, it, makes you, it gives you a little high. It's like tobacco. But it's, it's, it's got a different name. But when you chew, you feel like spitting. And when you spit... The, the spit that comes out of your mouth is as red as the chair. I kid you not, when you are walking anywhere in the country, on the pavement, all you see is red. It's red. I mean, the pavement is all red because it's like everywhere they are, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, everywhere you go. So, and you only see the people, when they open their mouth, their mouth is like this. The average person, his, their mouth is like the chair. It's all red. Their teeth, everything's red. It's a certain country in the world. It's good to travel. You see things. But the thing is that there is no discipline. No discipline. Anywhere they get to, they spit everywhere. But there are some places in the world you can't just go and be spitting all over the place. There are some countries you be, people will drive, drive in and they'll fly tipping, they'll throw things, they, they're eating something, they'll throw it out of the window. You try doing that. It's a thousand five hundred pounds here. Fine. If you like, throw something out and let the police catch you. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Christians believe this are the only religion that don't have a prayer time. The Muslims pray five times a day. The uh, Jews pray three times a day. All the, even the, what do you call them? The, those traditional, uh, what, what do you call it? Occult people, they have set times they pray. Let me ask you, how many times do believers pray a day? Do we have a, a disciplined prayer schedule? That is why our faith is not respected. How many of us would like to bomb ourselves for Christ? <laughs> but 
Al-Qaeda, and what you call the ISIS. They were bombing themselves. Guess what? They became very, very popular and attracted more than a third of the young people in the world. Just because they could, they could identify with people who were selfless, disciplined. They don't mind going, traveling to Syria to go and die. A lot of young people from this country moved to Syria. Some are still struggling to come back. They, they, they are not allowing them to come. Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? Because we don't have any discipline. If you want your Christianity, if you want, if you want our Christianity to, to, to go far and become attractive, we need to become disciplined. For Daniel, the people in the satraps knew that there's no way they could attack Daniel except for, for his prayer because they knew that Daniel would pray three times a day. He goes and he opens the window, face towards Jerusalem and pray. He had a set time to pray. So they knew that if you want to trap this guy, the only thing we can trap him is, with, is, is, is by prayer. Can your neighbors, can your, your flatmates trap you with prayer? Or if they trap you, they never get you. Hallelujah. The place is very quiet today. I don't know whether something has gone wrong. Is it working? I went to preach somewhere someday. My fly was open. <laughs> so as I was preaching, the whole place was very quiet. <laughs> Everybody was tensed. As I was preaching, Asha came from the back and put something there. Pastor, your fly. Shall we close our eyes in the name of Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. I heard my pastor say that, and I also experienced it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number three, an excellent Christian has absolute love for God. How deep is your love for God? Sometimes we love money more than we love God. True or not true? <laughs> hey, Peter, you want to bring problems here? Let me move on quickly before I get into trouble. Number four. An excellent Christian walks in humility. Philippians 2, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, verse 3. That was in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus walked on the face of this earth with humility. Amen. He walked in humility. Even though he was God and not man, he humbled himself to suffer the things that men suffer. Amen. And walked even to the death the most horrible and gruesome death to buy our pardon. If we're going to be Christians, see, I was thinking about something this, this evening, and I realized that the difference between Jesus Christ and the Pharisees is the difference between an excellent believer and an ordinary or an excellent believer. The ordinary Christian wants to show their righteousness rather than practice righteousness in secret. Jesus was saying that when you even want to pray, pray, pray in secret, and the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. The Pharisees, when they are walking, they have their robe and everything on. 
Jesus walked like an ordinary man. Hallelujah. Let us be humble. A pastor who wants to come and work with me called me two days ago. And then when he called me, hello, pastor, my name is Prophet XYZ. Then I said, okay. <laughs> then, by the time we finished the conversation, he says, oh, daddy, I said, ah, are you prophet or am I your, when did I become your daddy that you are calling me daddy? You want to come and work with me? The first thing you are coming to tell me is to put your title down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm saying? We like to lift ourselves by in Peter, first Peter, he said, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. Number five, an excellent Christian is influenced by the word. I think I did it. Uh, talk a lot about that. And then an excellent Christian, number six, is influenced by prayer. It's a man or woman of prayer, isn't it? All right. Number seven. This is where I ended, isn't it? Number seven. An excellent Christian or believer builds a house for God. An excellent believer builds a house for God. In 2 Samuel, we saw, chapter 7, we saw that David, when he came into Jerusalem and his house was built, it came to pass, the Bible says, when the king, that's uh, 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 4, it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around, all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in the house of Cedar. But the ark of God dwells inside tents. Then Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that the, your, that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But at night it happened that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant, that says the Lord, Would you build for me a house to dwell in? I have dwelt in tents all this, this, this time. Are you the one to build? But I want you to look at what he said in First uh, Kings. Go to chapter 8, 17 to 18. He said, now it, it was in the heart. This is God talking. He said, now it was in the heart of my... No, no, so, so this is Solomon talking. It was in the house of my father, David, to build a temple for his name, for the name of the Lord of God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build me a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Amen. You did well that it was in your heart to do it. But you will not build. Your son will build. And the Bible says that every time David's children and descendants did something wrong, he said that, but for your father David, I would have wiped you out. But because... You have decided to build a house for me. I will also build your house. 
That's what God said. Because you are building for me, I'll also build for you. The centurion was a man who was not a believer. But the, he was a good man. And he built a synagogue for the Jews. So the Jews, even though they, were, they were, didn't like Jesus, they went to Jesus and begged him to heal the centurion's son because he was a good man and he had built a house for them. Hallelujah. One of the greatest, the greatest feats that any believer, any excellent believer will do is to help build the house of God. Hallelujah. Because it's ordinary Christians, the last thing we think about is the house of God. The ordinary average Christian thinks about blessing for themselves. Am I right or wrong? The ordinary Christian is always thinking about how God will bless me, how God will give me. How, so if you listen to our prayers, our prayers is mostly based on what God can do for me or what God should do for me. And hardly do we pray and think about what God should do for the house of God or how I can bless the house of God, how I can help to build God's house. Amen. In, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things will be added. You see, when you seek God's kingdom and you seek to build God a house, God will build your house. Amen. I say God will build your house. Let us become builders of God's house. I've always said in this church that make sure that before you die, you help to build a house for God. Whether physically, emotionally, in terms of finance or support, whatever you can do, help to build God's house. Amen. Leave a legacy that you help to build God's, God's house. And I guarantee you that God will build your house forever. Even when you are dead and gone, your children's house will be built because you built God a house. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? You want to be an excellent believer? Build God a house. Number eight. To be an excellent believer, walk in integrity. Walk in integrity. What am I saying? I'm trying to say that the average Christian does not necessarily walk in integrity. I just said that's what Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 5. Add, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, integrity, goodness. Amen. Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Add to your faith. Let's keep adding integrity to our faith. Our faith. You know, the guy called Joseph was a man of integrity. The Bible says that at the point, his master, Potiphar, did not know how much he had, how much he had in his bank, how much of goods he had. He didn't know because Joseph was, had oversight of everything and Joseph made sure that not one, one cent was lost. He was a man of integrity. How many of us can be trusted? The man will, will, will give his bank book and his bank card and everything to you. He doesn't know how much, in, how much he has inside 
And you are not his, his brother, you are not his cousin, you are not his, his uh, family member. But he gives you his bank card. It means that you have a certain character. Am I making sense? You have a certain character that makes, that distinguishes you. For you to be so trusted. Joseph said that Potiphar has not withheld anything. Anything from me apart from you. When he was talking to his wife. The only thing that my master hasn't uh, uh, given me authority is you. But I, I have worked in integrity so much that the master has given me everything. I know his finances more than he knows his finances. I know how much he earns. How much he earns. Hallelujah. How many of us are truthful? How many of us have integrity? See, integrity is not Holy Spirit. Am I making sense? The fact that you shout in tongues, that doesn't mean you have good character. The fact that you know scripture doesn't mean that you have good character. Amen. A good character is the description of others about you. You didn't hear what I said. If somebody wants to describe Pastor Ben, it is what they see him as is what they will describe him as. What they know him as is what they will describe him as. Amen. A man of integrity. I told you that if you look at Samson and you look at Joseph, the two of them were anointed. Isn't it? Two of them were very powerful men of God. But one had no character. Are, are you getting it? Which, which presupposes that anointing does not, qualify, does not cover defects in character. You can be anointed and still be a womanizer. You can be anointed and still be a thief. You can be anointed and still be a, an adulterer. You can be anointed and be a murderer. Being anointed and shouting in tongues that not make you virtuous. Have you not hear, heard of wild men of God who do miracles, signs, and wonders? But when you hear their character, when you hear evidence of their character, it's terrible. That is to tell the anointing that it doesn't mean that they are not men of God. Just like Samson, they were called by God. And God was using Samson. Are you with me? When God gives you a gift, he has given you the gift. He won't take it back. But to walk in integrity, that is up, up on you, up on me. Hallelujah. I always say to my pastors, as for name, you have to fight to hold on to your name. Because once your name is gone, it's gone. Can't catch it back. I mean, how long would it take to sleep with a woman? Excuse me. I, I think I can talk to you. How long? Even if you sleep with her the whole night. Yes, son. Even if you sleep with her the whole night. 
Can that replace the name that you have taken years to build? The name you have taken 30 years to build. You want to use one night. Sometimes it's just five minutes. I mean, for me, that is how my mind works. I mean, five minutes, one hour, the whole night, as against 30 years or 40, 50 years of a name that you have carried, integrity. You go and steal 100 pounds. Let's say 10,000, you steal money. And then, oh, we didn't know that person X was a thief. All the years of name that you have had is wiped away. Because you stole. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, integrity is a very precious thing. Am I talking to somebody? Integrity is a very precious thing. How people describe you is a very, very precious thing. You can call yourself a holy man or holy woman of God. But that doesn't matter. It's what people call you outside that matters. Because that's the name that sticks. So make sure you walk in integrity. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. Make sure. But Bible says that be blameless. Paul says that as far as lies upon you, that lies within you, dwell with all men. Dwell with all with all men peacefully. But that's what this woman she's a very quarrelsome woman. You know, somebody was talking about a, a pastor, a, a lady pastor. And the person said, that woman, she's a very, very quarrelsome person. From that day, anytime I see her preaching, all I see is a quarrelsome woman. Not because I know her personally. I don't know whether she's a quarrelsome person or not. I don't know that. I haven't really interacted with her to know the type of human being she is. But somebody said that this woman, she's a cantankerous person. From that day, anytime I see her preaching, even she raises the dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? A name cannot be bought and rebought. You can't buy a name, and when you don't like it, you go and buy a new name. Once the name is bought, it's gone for life. Once you are known as a cantankerous person, you are a cantankerous person. Even when you change, it still doesn't change anybody. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? So let's fight to keep our integrity. Fight to keep your name. Fight to make sure that your name is not spot. Be, be an honest person. Somebody puts you in charge of money, don't take one pound. It is not that one pound that will make you rich. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because Peter, uh, uh, Joseph was very, very 
good. And he had integrity. When the time came for Pharaoh to put him in charge of the whole land, Potiphar did not object. Because Potiphar was working for Pharaoh. Are you with me? If when Joseph was working for uh, Potiphar, if he had been a man of dubious character, do you think that he, Potiphar would not have objected that they are going to make this guy prime minister? This guy, he stole from me. I said, uh, 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 King Pharaoh, please, I beg you, this guy, no, 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 no. Choose somebody else. But he was like, no, this guy is good. Because Potiphar eventually found out, no, the wife was the one who was somewhere. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Let's walk in integrity. You are working for a boss. Let the boss say, oh, this person is a good person. This person is a hard worker. Not that you are a, 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 a pastor in church. But, oh, this guy, he's a rogue. No. Number nine. Pastor Ben, why are you laughing at me? An excellent believer is in the world, but it's not of the world. He is in the world, but it's not of the world. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is the description. I told you that the uh, examples of excellence we were looking at is uh, Moses, Joseph, uh, Paul, and um, Daniel, isn't it? So we've looked at Daniel, we've looked at Joseph. Now look at what the Bible says about Moses. He, Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than riches, greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Hallelujah. He was of the world of Egypt, but he was not, he was in the world of Egypt, but he was not of the world. He chose to be different. He chose to suffer. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? In 1 John 2, 15, it says, I love not the world or the things in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. Because the things that are in the world, they are passing. Amen. So if you are going to be a, 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 an excellent believer, you are in the world, but you must not be of the world. Amen. You know, the other day I was, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I, I was saying that one thing that has always been my philosophy in life is that Life is a simple thing, or it has to be a simple thing. Sometimes we trouble ourselves for too, too for unnecessarily. Because life is very simple. You know when you die, that is when you see how simple life is. Because it doesn't matter 
your grade, your degrees, your riches, your history, what you have done in life and what you haven't done, you are put next to somebody who hasn't done anything. You put you'll be put next to somebody who has nothing. When you go to the cemetery, there's not there's not got a posh area for for the dead, and the, the ghetto for the dead. No, the rich person and the poor person are all aligned side by side. You can put the most expensive coffin there. And then you put just bots. Same thing. We worry ourselves for two for for nothing. Hallelujah. I remember when my father died. We're talking. You know, then when they died, they have like a committee sitting, they sat down. And the family said, you know, your father was a prominent man. So you have to buy. The most expensive coffin. Then they said that. We don't want any coffin that is made locally. We want, uh, they say, American casket. And American casket is about 10 times the price of the local. The coffin that we bought for my father, when you press something in the coffin, then the person comes, the dead body comes all the way up and sits down. Then you press something, then it goes all the way back in to lie down. It's still a dead body. Some people, they build a house just to put him in. You're still gone. Life is very simple. We trouble ourselves for nothing. I want to have the, the nicest house. I want to have the nicest car. I want sleep be sleep. Whether you are sleeping in a comfortable bed or not, it's, it's still sleep. You may have a comfortable bed, but you can't sleep. Are you getting what I'm saying? Life is simple. We, we, we make it too complicated. So we chase our tail. The rat race. Chase, 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 chase. Go around, go around, go around, go around, go around, go around. Until you get dizzy. The people who enjoy life, they have moved out of the rat race. And they sit at the edge of the race as they watch the people going around. Have you seen the greyhound? Have you seen greyhound? The dogs, that, the dogs, they chase a rabbit, a mechanical rabbit. And that rabbit, they've never caught it before. The dogs have never caught the rabbit. Meanwhile, they are chasing the rabbit all the time. So on the mask, get said, go, they release the rabbit. Then you see the dogs go. They've been doing it for years, and they haven't caught the rabbit. And nothing's telling them that this particular rabbit, you won't catch it. But they, they, they still don't catch on. They always chase. But you see, when a dog knew, if a dog knew that when I sit down, the rabbit will be curious and come close to me and say, why are you not running? Why are you not chasing me? 
Then you can just stretch your hand and take him. Listen, the joy of life is very simple. It is only when you are of the world that you see that it's a struggle. It's a struggle because you are chasing the wind and you don't catch anything. Hallelujah. So it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So long as your soul is not lost, what shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? With a few clothes and a daily food, be content. Really, that's really all. That's my philosophy. The day I understood that, that was the day I, I resigned from my accounting job and I went to be a missionary. Because I realized that it really doesn't matter. Because as, as an accountant, I had my colleague, I, te- I always tell you about my colleague, who has the credit cards, the bunch of credit, about seven, 40 or 50 credit cards this big. He was in debt more than anybody I know. He was earning a lot of money. Earning a lot of money. But he had so much debt that he had to take, um, what do you call it, his daughter. His daughter was only three, four years old. The name of the daughter to open more credit cards. Buying things, doing things. He was trying to keep a certain standard because he admired a certain wife who was outside his league. So every every holidays they have to uh, what do you call it the school break what do you call it half term they have to travel they are going here they are doing this. Listen, let's be content. If it's one shoe, wear it with pride. If it's one bag. Wait with pride. It is not the world. Be in the world, but do not be of the world. Hallelujah. Let me give you one last one. We can go on with that. What number are we on? Number 11. Hey. We ended on seven. And I've given you how many more? So, number 11. An excellent believer remembers the poor. The scripture we read, uh, uh, Matthew 25, go to verse 40. Matthew 25, verse 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Hallelujah. The king will answer and say to them, in as much as you did for the least of these, you did it for me. Then he will say, they will say, they will also say to those who are on the left, depart from me, you cast into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you did not give me food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. 
sick and in, in prison, and he did not visit me. And they, would answer, they also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will say to them, I surely I say to you, in as much as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Hallelujah. Because you did not do it for these little ones, these weak ones, these uh, people who could not help themselves, you did not. Like I said to you, if you look at the Pharisees, when the Pharisees see, uh, uh, saw or the priest saw um, the man lying on the road, what did he do? He crossed to the other side. But anybody who was sick, Anybody who was uh, uh, hungry, when Jesus met them, Jesus ministered to them. That's the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees. When he met the, the people who came to hear him and were hungry, what did he do? He said, give, Thomas, give them food. He said, we cannot feed all these people. He said, make them sit in companies of 50. And he gave them the blessing of the feeding of the 5,000. Anybody who was sick, he was going to minister, and the sick person comes. It's like, my, my daughter is sick. My, the, the widow of Nain, my son has just died. He stops, and he ministers. It was important to help the people who couldn't help themselves. Like the Pharisees, we are today. When it has, the lights are on, then we show our benevolence. When the lights are off, we can't do it. Anybody who comes and asks for help, I can't help you. It's only when people are seeing you, then they say, oh, okay, I'll help. Ezekiel 34. Listen to what he says, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not a shepherd feed the flock? We are all very selfish. We all think about ourselves and what will inure to our benefits. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed, feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who are sick. Nor bound the wounds, bound up the broken. Nor brought back those who are driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you rule, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because they, were, they had no shepherd and became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. I, tell, I always tell you that when you read the Old Testament and you see beasts of the field, talking about demons. So because we have not shepherded healed, bound up, gone to bring the poor, the, 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 those who are scattered back and ministered to them, they become prey for every demon. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? One of the greatest things we must do as believers, excellent believers, is to remember the poor. Let us remember the poor. When I say poor, I don't mean just poor people. I'm talking about people. Sometimes we have members of our church who are caught in all sorts of things. 
They are caught in all sorts of situations. They are poor. Am I making sense? They are poor because they can't help themselves. A poor person is somebody who cannot help themselves. Let us come off our high horses and help them. Amen. We have a church member, still a church member in this church, who is on drugs. All her teeth are gone. But she's still our member. Anytime she comes into ch- for service, Pastor Gloria always will welcome her, mention her name and welcome her. As soon as she mentions her name and welcomes her, every, all the ashes are on guard. That we love her. Anytime she comes, she always has a story that she wants money. For shopping. Unfortunately, when you say you're going to go and shop for her, she doesn't want, she wants the money. <laughs> One day she came, she took some books. from. We had a bookshop, she took some books. Then the bookshop person was trying to, say, why are you taking the book? Where's the money? She said, go and tell Reverend, I've taken the books. <laughs> if I can't get money, I'll go sell the books. <laughs> Hallelujah. But she's a beloved member of the church. Now, it's like she's moved from where she used to be. We don't really know where she is. But anytime she appears, she's still a member of the church. She's one of the oldest members of this church. She was here when we only had about 10 people. She has been here from that time till now. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Let us learn to help people who cannot help themselves. Because this lady cannot help herself. She finds herself in that place. She's helpless. She's poor. She needs help. Am I making sense? So it's not the time to shun somebody like that. It's the time to go and love on the person. Let the person feel love. Let the person feel that she belongs. Because this particular sister, she always says that she knows that when push comes to shove and she comes into this house, she will never go back empty-handed. She knows it. Hallelujah. My time is up. Stand to your feet. Let's go home.